Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Today, more from Travis DeCure and a live interview with Colt Anderson, former Grizz, former NFL veteran, and now an assistant special teams coach with the Cincinnati Bengals. It is Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Outstanding to be with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope you are having a wonderful day. Yesterday, we had like the most picturesque day in the history of the the, 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 the year, and now today, it's, you know, back to back to average, back to par for the course in 2020. Cold, rainy, wet, but you know what? Fear not, my friends. Your ray of sunshine still is here. Coulter and myself, happy to be so. If you'd like to listen to us on the World Wide Web, you can do that as well, 1029ESPN.com. You can listen live on the stream all the time. Stream is available 24 hours a day, including, of course, this show from 4 to 6 Mountain every single afternoon. Uh, during the week, you can check out the stream thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. And if you'd like to call, you can do that as well. And you're going to need to call today because it is a Wing It Wednesday, boys and girls. 361-3688, the phone number, 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Okay, today in the show, we uh, had a Zoom press conference with Travis DeCure, the head coach of the Montana men's basketball team yesterday. Uh, we will bring you a little bit more sound from that today. A couple of things that he got into, especially about uh, uh, the uh, younger side of his club, uh, the incoming freshmen and the returning freshmen from a year ago who will be sophomores this year. So I thought a couple interesting things to sit and listen to uh, there. We also, Coulter is so fired up about, you know, 
the last dance and all of the doors that it's opening and by way of conversation who would be some of the elder statesmen of the league uh, the old school guys that would still be able to play in today's NBA we'll get into that conversation a little bit it is a Wednesday so we are giving away wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern, the best wings in the city of Missoula. Now, they've been open for uh, curbside pickup and delivery and all that kind of stuff this whole way through, but maybe it's been a minute since you were able to actually go down there and get some wings. Well, guess what? We got you covered. So, again, that phone number, 361-3688. We will do uh, some trivia for you before the uh, end of the hour. Top of the hour, our ESPN roundtable. Very excited to have Colt Anderson back on the show. Colt Anderson, uh, obviously a nine-year NFL veteran, uh, an All-American safety for the University of Montana, uh, one of the great, great football players that go through the University of Montana, and now has stepped into the professional coaching ranks, is an assistant special teams coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll talk to him about uh, being on the other side of the white line, as it were, uh, in the NFL and uh, and what it's been uh, like here just initially being on Zach Taylor's staff there in Cincinnati. So there, we'll get into that. And also, are we learning who Michael Jordan is actually by watching The Last Dance? I would argue no, because we've known all along, but we'll get into that in the next hour as well. So there you go. That is our show outlook. Uh, happy to have, again, all of you on with us. Coulter, uh, no surprise here. Yesterday was Cinco de Mayo. Yesterday was your birthday. And uh, so today you walk in and your hand is completely covered in bandages. <laughs> I mean, there, 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 why, how, why is this not a surprise at oh, all to oh, me? Man, I know. I, uh, I, uh, we got a trigger. Or I guess it's not a trigger. There's a new company that's making like grills like triggers. I don't even know what it is. but Okay. But it's a, gr- a new it's a, grill. It's a smoke one of the, yeah, smoking. Sam's Club. So I was, you know, <laughs> uh, I was cooking a bunch great. of stuff on there, really trying to. Uh, now, is it pellets? It. Yeah, is yeah, it wood yeah, yeah. pellets. Okay, yeah, we got mesquite wood pellets. Okay, and uh, I mean, obviously, it gets very hot. I and mean, it's a, I, yeah, as it's I a and, and as I was, I was just like kind of walking away nonchalantly and. Why were you like, flicked? Because I was like, closing the lid, like I had it on, and I flipped the thing, but I was like talking to somebody while I was looking over here, and I just went to like close it and didn't hit the handle. I hit the actual casing of the top mm. of the grill, which was. 500 degrees you and, did, and you uh, burned, melted you the, scorched your two fingers yeah i melted the skin off my fingers i'm sorry man it's okay uh, it wouldn't be first of all it wouldn't be a day in general but it certainly wouldn't be a birthday without an injury to you well it's like uh we had a couple friends over to the house last night and as one of the gals said she said you know i've only known you for a couple of years but you're quite accident prone and i said uh well he's <laughs> You know me pretty well then already. It's, you know what your problem is, Coulter? What's that? Things in the world are made for the average-sized person. You're bigger than that. <laughs> and you can't see. So you don't fit, yeah, and you yeah, don't yeah. know where you're going. Yeah, and then, yeah, you know, what yeah. happens is things break, including you. Yeah, so Blind Tatanka, not good. <laughs> not good. Well, 33 in a day, man. Welcome into it. I'm glad, uh, you know, you, you made it through. And, uh, and now here we are on the 6th of May. And... Uh, and let's rock and roll. Travis DeCure, head coach of the Montana Grizzlies, we got a chance to talk with him yesterday. And uh, we have a, a couple of pieces of sound uh, from that uh, conversation, again, kind of a press conference-style uh, deal on the Zoom that we wanted to bring you. Uh, this first piece of sound is regarding a question about the incoming freshman. And he just sort of took this and ran with it. Now, you know what I think uh, of, of Travis DeCure. I think very highly of Coach DeCure. Uh, as, as a basketball coach. Now, sometimes I think that maybe I 
genuflect too much at the altar of Travis DeCure or whatever it is. Like, but I, I really think he he's he he's very impressive to me. He and the whole staff and what they do here for at the University of Montana. One friend of mine. Now you know me, Coulter. I mm-hmm. love music, indeed. And I got. I mean, if it could be a negative scale, I mean, negative one out of ten on the ability to play music and create music. I, I, this, is, this is, there's just, it's not, it's not a thing for me, okay? I have a friend who's a great musician. Told me one time, he says, you know, here's one way to tell if, if the person you're watching is good. Because anybody that picks up a guitar around a campfire, they might as well be, you know, it's Tom Morello to me. You know, I mean, it's like, well, yeah, I don't know. Well, you could play, you know, Mary Had a Little Lamb on the guitar. That's amazing to me. Anyway, she's like, here's the deal. If you, if somebody's playing a guitar and it's making a sound you've never heard before, that person is a great guitar player. And it's basically the, the, the same instrument that's been around for who knows how many, you know, hundreds of years, right, is all of a sudden doing something that you've never heard done before, that is where you know you've gone to another level. And in this piece of sound, I feel that way to some extent. Like, I've been around basketball all my life. I've studied it. I've watched it. I've played it. You know, I'm, I'm familiar with basketball at a pretty, you know, I would say significant level. When Coach DeCure talks about the art, though, of creating a team, it's stuff that I have never heard before. I haven't heard it put quite in these terms, and I find it really impressive because, it's the again, we talked about the preparation that he puts into it, and it's a lot of thought. And certainly, you know, this – I'm not saying that he nobody else has thought of this. I'm th- sure this is something that he learned along the way, whether it was, uh, you know, from from Blaine Taylor or Mike Montgomery or elsewhere or whatever it might be. But I hadn't heard it put in these terms quite like this before, and I found it very impressive, and I think it's it's uh, it, it, um, um, educational for everybody out there. So here you go. Here's Travis DeCure just kind of broadly talking about putting a team together and the incoming freshmen, four of them, two of them international, by the way, that are coming into next year's class for the Montana Grizzly men's basketball team. Typically when you recruit class, you want it to be different than the class before in terms of what they bring. They might There might be guys that play the same position or similar but they're different players. And the, the, the four guys that we signed filled holes that we had, um, whether that was Brandon bringing speed and ability to draw a second defender with the ball in his hands facing the basket as opposed to a back-to-basket player. Um, Robbie Beasley's a gifted scorer that can play with the ball in his hands, and if you need him to play point, he can bring it across half court and get you an offense. He can play out of a ball screen. If you want to run him off screens, he can make open shots. Um, but he's probably at his best when he's massaging the ball and playing in space. Um, a lot different than anyone we've had uh, this this past season. Uh, Hunter Clark, his, his, his cerebral approach to the game, his feel, play one through three. He's long enough. If I wanted to, we probably could stretch him out at the four. Um, his grit. Uh, he's a coach's son, so he brings some things mentally that maybe we had a shortage of. Um, and then Josh Bannon is just gifted offensively, physically, uh, with size and feel, high motor posts that are hard to come by. Um, I think all those guys are just different than what we've had, and they fit the class before them very well. And so we just kind of saw a group that for three years um, would be incredible to watch grow, play together, and, and all should be able to help compete early in their careers. And then just to kind of follow up to all that is just, you know, with, with those guys coming in, the transfers coming in, uh, some of the scholarship players coming back, are you 
you know, it's May's just starting. Are you foreseeing any other roster movements coming with this group or any scholarship alignments, anything like that? All hands on deck. I'm expecting everybody to show up July, June 29th ready. Uh, grind out seven, eight weeks to get ready for, for the fall and uh, throw the ball out in the air and be as competitive as possible and let the cream rise to the top. So there you go. Now, at the end there, I think that's, again, that alluded to a lot of what we talked about yesterday is you got so much talent on this team, and that's why this two weeks. And, of course, he's preparing as if this is going to happen and is well aware that, that you know, there may be a change to this. But, uh, uh, you know, you, you let those kids play. But when he talks about, first of all, not just the filling of holes, but the way in which holes get filled, it, it just teased out a couple of things to me. First of all, we tend to look at these classes as individual classes, which they are. You got your, you know, senior, junior, freshman, sophomore, freshman, and 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 so on. But he took a look at the three freshmen that they have that you know played a lot of minutes last year in Vasquez, Owens, and, and Derek Carter Hollinger, and then the four incoming freshmen, and said for the next three years. So he's putting these seven players together mentally and projecting out kind of what they do and making them sort of a class unto themselves as they go through and grow together. I think that's, uh, uh, you know, again, a, a really great way to think about it. The other thing is uh, uh, when you talk about trying to understand, like at this level of basketball, it's Division One basketball, but it's low, uh, you know, low major conference in the Big Sky Conference. You can still get guys who are elite at some things, but not, but are also going to be weaker in other areas, and so find. I think it's even more important at this level than maybe at a you know a Kentucky or a Michigan or you know what what have you to find to find the fit because right. you can get the guys. You're like, I know this guy is great at these two things. If we can make sure that he does these two things, that's fine. As opposed to a guy who's great at ten things, and you got to figure out which ones of those you want to use the most and and i think again there's a real art to that well perhaps the most important thing for this program is finding guys that can just endure because i mean there's make no mistake travis secure is an incredibly demanding coach yeah part of the reason that they 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 put a priority on relying on transfers and i think a lot of that's a good thing because i think they do a good job identifying guys that can fit what they want and a lot of times they can get guys that are really talented, like a lot of their transfers have been. But when you look at the the three recruiting classes under Coach DeCure that have made it to the end, Bobby Moorhead and Michael Aguina were the only two guys from their class that were freshmen through seniors at Montana. Right. And last year, Saeed Pridgett was the only one that was a freshman through senior at Montana because Kendall Manuel started his career at Oregon State. Jared Samuelson started and finished with the Grizz with two years at Rocky Mountain College in between. And now this year... Timmy Falls is the only senior. I mean, they have two transfers, Cam Satterwhite and Michael Stedman, yep. but Timmy's the only senior from his class. And so part of this is just finding guys that can they can make it all the way to the end. And so, I mean, it. if they could get their group from last year, the three guys, Kyle Owens, Derek Carter-Hollinger, and Josh Vasquez, if those guys can get to the end and then the four guys they signed in the fall can get to the end, that would give them a, an unbelievable core, and maybe they would then shift away from going – to transfers as, as much. I don't know. We'll see. I think that if you can get a transfer, you're going to get them, especially because... I, I think so. I don't, I don't see that trend changing. And I also either. I also think that uh, Coach DeCure... I mean, Mo- Travis himself, plus the Montana program, that package together is so appealing to transfers more than almost anywhere on the West Coast, right? 
If you're a guy that's going to come, you're going to quote unquote go down a level. You're going to come from the Pac-12 or the Mountain West. Where else would you want to go in the West? Yeah. If you want to stay out West, then Montana. See this great charismatic coach, as well as this phenomenal fan base. It seems like they have a lot to sell to, to transfers as well. But this this incoming freshman class is, is an interesting one. You know, we, he mentioned you know, Brandon Whitney. He's the he's the fast point guard from Bishop Alameda High uh, in Southern California. Uh, he had offers from Cal State Northridge as well as Southern Utah. So they did they did beat a couple fellow mid majors for mm-hmm. him. Robbie Beasley is probably the guy that I was the most impressed with watching his film and following his recruitment. He's from Dublin High School where Timmy Falls comes from, and in the uh, Bay. Yeah, and and I mean he had a, a he was he was highly recruited, including he had an offer from Nevada, and as we know, Nevada has been a top twenty five team in the last couple of years. Yeah, and uh, then they have the two Australian kids, Josh Bannon and, and Hunter Clark, and uh, Bannon's a six foot eight forward, and Clark's a six foot five guard, and those two guys, um, I think they're good. I think they got potential, but I I think that if things go correctly next year, I think that those guys will redshirt. That's also been something that's been a little bit rare in Coach Dickier's program is guys that have actually redshirted. Because mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of times guys are so good that they are they have the ability to play early. But also then sometimes he doesn't redshirt guys that that should redshirt because they just I – don't, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. th- there's, there's been some like, – guys like Ben Carter and Admir Basevich, I think that it was pretty clear early on that those guys just weren't quite good enough to play at this level. And uh, that maybe they needed to do some more recruiting evaluation when those before those guys came to the program, but then they didn't redshirt them because they kind of just knew that it was going to be a mutual parting of ways when it was done. Yeah. But I do think that there's a couple guys that I think that would really benefit from a redshirt. Mac Anderson more than anybody probably. I mean, I think I, he could have had a really a shot to really develop uh, with a redshirt year. Totally. I Kelby mean, Kramer's kind of the only guy that really ever did redshirt and, and got a chance to develop, but then he ended up leaving the program as well. The reason I think too, though, that Mac Anderson didn't redshirt is because they they needed Mac. They had to have him. No, totally. You know, when they, when uh, when he was a freshman, so you know that that and and that's good for him, right? I mean, he's it's not like you're not redshirting and not playing. Basically, I mean, you're you're out there doing it, but you're right, like a year of development just even into the body. You talked about how much he grew even his senior year of high school, getting used to what it is to be, you know, a 6'8 guy, uh, whatever. I mean, six he's nine. taller than that now. 6'9", yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you I'm with you on all that. It's Tutel and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Uh, the other piece of sound here is uh, re- in regards to a question about the returning sophomore, or who are the sophomores that are returning, the freshmen from last year. Uh, and that were you know huge on this team in terms of playing big big minutes and and major contributors uh, to uh, to the Montana program a year ago, and the question is in regards to like how are they feeling right now, and what do you expect out of them given the way the season ended, not getting to finish it, and so now they're going into their sophomore year with again not any and we talk about this in light of the seniors all the time and a guy like Saeed Pridget and how's it like to end your career on that thing but oh, this whole season came to an end so where are you at going into next year with three guys who played a bunch of minutes last year being sophomores now here's what Coach DeCure had to say I'm, I'm sensing they're hungry um, I hope they're hungrier than most returning sophomores given the minutes they played because the season ended the way it ended um, I won't mention names but I've, I've got one of them that's you know, he, he's texting me about every three, four days of what he's accomplishing and what he's getting done. He's hungry. He's trying his hardest to get better. Uh, if, if you know, I always feel that guys should can be should be competing right now, not wait until we get back to campus. And as far up to to my knowledge, 
he's out competing everyone that's returning on our team. And so I'm excited about how much better he might have gotten over this period of time where the average basketball player in this country probably hasn't gotten better. Um, not at home because not everybody's motivated to push themselves and be creative with how they work on their game or just even have the resources. Um, and I think he's maximizing uh, his hunger, his experiences and his resources and getting the most out of it. So I, I, I would expect all three of those guys that played the, 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 the minutes um, to improve and, and be ready to move, uh, if not in similar roles, into bigger roles. Uh, and, you know, even Eddie Egan, who didn't play a lot of minutes, I, I sense hunger um, and looking forward to come and compete. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm expecting everybody to improve a little bit. And the question is always who improves the most. Those are the ones that become all conference players and are more impactful to what the direction of our program. But we're going to need everybody to improve a little bit. So there you go. Uh, Coach DeCure talking about the group coming back and how they're, you know, working and motivated to, to kind of try and get things done. It's hard to kind of get things done. The thing that I took out of that, I think probably that's maybe the most obvious, right, is is his singling out of a player who he didn't name, but we know is one of three guys, uh, you know, Josh Vasquez, Derek Carter Hollinger, and Kyle, Kyle Owens, or was the question was about. So one of those three guys who he says is texting him basically every couple of days, and who, to his knowledge, and he did qualify it in that way, is is working harder than anybody else on the team to improve in this space of time. And it's th- that, putting that out there publicly, putting that out there to the media, is saying it without saying it to his team, right? Like, I don't know who's going to hear this or read what, you know, you know if that gets written in, 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 you know, the papers or online or whatever it might be reported, but... You know, that's that's one way to motivate and go, well, I know one guy who's just out there killing it right now. I don't know about the rest of them. Hopefully they're doing something. But I know for sure one dude's working harder than everybody else is. And, you know, as that information maybe circulates around, maybe a way to, instead of you telling your team to do it, we get to tell your team to do it. You know, and, and I, I I think it's probably a good way to go. And also probably true. Like, he, the, what, the, the one guy who's out there going, hey, here's what I did today. What do you think? Here's what I did today. What do you think? is clearly motivated. We always break down all the different styles of, of practice for football because football practice is what we watch more than games. I mean, there's only 11 games. We watch them practice yeah. 55 times to play 11 games. Yeah. But it's, it's so interesting to watch you know, the difference between a Mick Delaney and a Bobby Houck and a Robin Flugrad and a Jeff Chope practice. They're all distinctly different. Certainly. That same thing applies to basketball a lot, too, and I, we don't really talk about it as much. And the thing about Coach DeCure's program, like we watch the Montana State women, for example. Montana State women, when they practice, it's an hour and 45 minutes of skill development. They're just working skills, skills, skills. Pick and pop, screen and roll, dribbling, you know, breaking presses, all this stuff. You know, some of their offense and stuff. But then 15 minutes of it is, is going over, here's what the other team does. I mean, Fallon Friggi said it on our show. So I can't believe how little of a scout we do, but that's Trisha Benford's style is we do what we do and we're, we'll just get, we're just going to enact our principles mm-hmm. and you guys, the other teams just have to figure it out. And when you have the talent like they had last year with that level of skill, then they just destroy people. I mean, they were scoring 90 points a game down the stretch. The thing about coach DeCure's program, it's almost all team-based. It's almost all putting in the sets, putting in the, the plays, the, schemes like when you watch them practice it's five on five 
working on this, that, and the other thing for hours. And it's hardly any skill development because they expect you to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of times guys can't make it in this program because they don't know how to put in the extra time. That's where a guy like Kendall Manuel separated himself and became an elite player for the Grizz because he is the dude who's in there half an hour before and half an hour after practice shooting. And I mean, I was down there watching Kendall shoot one day, and Jay Flores, assistant, came came over, said, "What's up?" And then he started working out Josh Vasquez, and he kept telling him, he kept being like, "Hey, man, if you want to shoot like Manuel, if you want to shoot like Kendall, you got to work like Kendall." Take an example. Show up 30 minutes early, stay 30 minutes late for for five years, and then see where you're at. And that's what it takes to be an elite shooter like Kendall Manuel. And in the Montana program, you just got to do it on your own. And I think it's an interesting thing because that was a message that Dakir was saying. Everybody better be doing it on their own because we're not here to develop your skills. You're the one that needs to develop your skills. You better have your skills ready to roll so that we as a team can put stuff in as soon as possible when we first can get back together. Yeah, well, it'll be uh... – I think that's that's very true, and also uh, again, the two weeks supposedly starting here at the end of June, so just uh, just shy of two months from now. And I say two weeks, excuse me, eight weeks, two months of of summer work is uh, crucial to any program, but maybe specifically to uh, Montana this year if it, if it is if they're fortunate enough that that can happen. Sutel so Nuanas, one hundred two nine ESPN Radio. On the other side. Larry Bird, Pete Maravich, Stockton and Malone, others. Who would be able to play in today's NBA? Here's a hint. Everybody I just mentioned (laughs) next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Really, really hope the Wolf Mother concert gets rescheduled. Where was that going to be? The amphitheater. Oh, here in Missoula. Missoula. I didn't know they were coming. Wow, that's the one I missed. They were coming with uh, who, Tommy? I don't recall offhand. Who's the greatest bass player of our generation? Just. I think Primus. They were coming with Primus. Am I right? We I need think, to stop think that talking might be right. about music. It's, Pri- it's Primus and Wolfmother. And now it's, you know, it's not. I saw, by the way, the rescheduled Rage Against the Machine concerts. Isn't that great? A year away. June, July of 2021 now. I don't know what to think. Uh, it's Tutel and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. 
at Gus Tutel, at 1029 ESPN, at Skyline Sports. Those are your relevant Twitter handles. Coming up, top of the hour, 30 minutes from now, Colt Anderson going to join us for the ESPN Roundtable. Excited to have him back on the show. Obviously, a NFL veteran, former Montana Grizzly, Butte American. That's right. He's actually in Butte right now. Is back, he in he's Butte? Back in, back in Montana okay. for and, uh, uh, a moment in time. Has now, it's funny. He called me at 3 o'clock in a panic, and he's like, am I calling you? You calling me? <laughs> I said, Cole, it's not until 5. He said, oh, my computer's on East Coast time still. It's <laughs> like, I was thought I was late. He's like, sorry, man. Talked to you in a couple hours. I was like, well, thank you for being so prompt and and uh, and uh, on time, Colt. Well, I'm, I'm excited. And, and for those of you maybe who haven't heard, but uh, – Cole Anderson is now a coach in the NFL. He is an assistant special teams coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. So uh, certainly looking forward to talking with him and uh, kind of getting the lay of the land of, uh, of his world and being in the NFL and, and everything that goes with it in general and especially now. You know, tomorrow they are releasing the schedules to the NFL full 16 game, you know, schedule for the 2020 season. So uh, we'll talk with him about all that stuff. But Coulter, you got an idea for a segment which came – uh, by the route that most of your great ideas come, which was in conversation with your brother. <laughs> right? Like yeah, you, you, yeah. the two of you guys doing your sports thing between you just Yeah, I do two I do two hill. radio shows. I do two tell Nuanas and then I do uh, the Nuanas hotline that's broadcast to no one. <laughs> <laughs> but we talk. We do like a thirty-minute argumentative segment, pretty much daily. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. So people probably think we're so weird. I think his wife is just like, "What are you guys talking about? Like, can you guys stop talking about this for one second?" It's like, no, we kind of been doing it daily since we were like five. Yeah. So it's probably not really going to happen this anytime is, soon. This is hand in glove for the two of you, and uh, it keeps you on the rails, so it's good. Uh, but within. Sort broadly the context of the last dance, but in general, always talking about generational talents in all sports, but especially in basketball, you know, you know, could this guy play in that this era? Could could that guy play in this era, and so on? And the presumption is is that the games are always getting better, and you're always telling me that we always, you know, we we keep we we fall fell into this fallacy all the time that that whatever's happening now is the best that it's ever been, and so on and so forth, and it just ain't true. It's just not true, and. I th- so much of it is the mental part of it, too, because the world is so much different now. Well, and when I think about sports like baseball, baseball first and foremost, right. which I think has changed the least over time. Interesting. Um, and also golf, where I think the real progression in golf has been the equipment, which has right. made such a huge different, right. difference. But but the, the players, the skill sets, certainly. I mean, there's been plenty of progressions on things that you can do with techniques and so on and so forth. But, like, Sam Sneed could step up with a, you know, a big Bertha. Are we still using big Bertha? So I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But, you know, and and he can go to work with the best of them on the golf course totally. to this day. So, but in basketball, the progression of what feels like the athleticism, the strength of the game, some of the skill of the game, it has, it has moved forward, if I can say that, more than than other sports have and it seems like a longer shot for guys going back 30 years going back 60 years that they're going to be able to compete in in the nba 2020 and i would say frankly for the nfl it's also the case but in the nba particularly when you look at some of the great players who is going to walk on the floor and still be the dude that he was, you know what I mean? Right. And, and playing in the way that he was. And it's, it's hard to project that stuff. Here's 
to me, the, the, the two biggest things, I think the part of it is the size and the strength, you know, the athleticism of these guys is significant. But the other thing is And this. the skill, too. The, because, this, because you have guys like Kevin Durant who just, there was no guy like Kevin Durant. But here's the thing, and I completely agree with you. This is the point that I'm going to make. There was no guy like Kevin Durant. Why? Because if you were six, whatever, 10, you are standing in the paint and you're yeah, going to turn right. your back to the basket and you're going to turn and you're going to shoot and you're going to rebound because that's what you do. And then at some point, guys who were taller started to ball handle. I mean, remember how amazed we were by Sam Perkins? Because he's seven feet tall, six right. eleven, and he's bombing away a three pointer. You know, he's making two threes a game, and we think, "Wow, this is amazing! How can a guy that tall shoot that well?" You know, that's not even possible. Mind bending, Sam Perkins. And now it's not just the norm; it's expected. Like you can't play here if you're six ten and can't shoot forty percent or whatever right. it is from beyond the arc. And so. That, again, to your point, the skill set. But it's not about the guys. It's about what you're doing even as a kid. Like th That's going back to middle and high school basketball where coaches aren't pigeonholing their 6'7 guys that they got to be the center, so to speak. Can you, can you bring the ball up the floor? Can you dribble? Can you ball handle? And by the way, you do need to develop those that skill set as you go. And so I think there's plenty of guys, you know, I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could have developed a Durant-esque-like skill set if he was, from the age of five, working on the dribbling. I mean, it, the, his touch is incredible, right? I mean, we well, know yeah, about the skyhook and all of that kind of stuff. Is he going to have the handle that Durant has? Probably not. You know why? Because almost no one, <laughs> nobody almost no does. One does right. But, you know, I think that he's this seven-foot guy who would have been uh, you know, a, an unbelievably skilled basketball player, not merely, quote-unquote, merely center, if he would have been born 20, 30 years later than he was. And so I'm not holding that against him, you know? So that's there's my two cents. I think that one thing that a lot of the old school guys have that a lot of the new guys don't is exactly what we're seeing when we're watching The Last Dance is the killer instinct like Michael Jordan has. Mm. I, mean, I think about that with the NFL – Ray Nischke probably runs like a five two forty, yeah. But 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 he's he's insane. Yeah. There's no way he could he would he'd be able to play today. I don't know if he'd be able to track down Christian McCaffrey in the flat or whatever. But there you could find a position on the field for him. Yeah, Maybe yeah. he can't run you down and play an inside linebacker. Put him at D tackle. He doesn't care. Yeah, he's a maniac. Some of those old guys they're crazy. Like Dick Buckus could play anywhere, anytime. Right, right. just because he's crazy. And I think uh, so. I guess what I'm thinking is that watching all these old school highlights and stuff, I think that if you put guys from now back then, they would just annihilate people. I mean, LeBron James would average 60 points per game if you put him on the Washington Bullets in 1975. Yeah. I mean, he just trained people. I mean, it would be <laughs> it would be out, outrageous. But I also think that there's. I think first of all, I think that the best players. Most of the really, really – I'm looking at the, the list of the 50 greatest players in NBA history. They did that at the 50th anniversary of the league, which I think was uh, 1996. So it's, it's been 25 years since they released this list. But I'm looking at the list, and you know, guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, certainly Rick Barry, Larry Bird, Wilt Chamberlain, they could play in any era. But then I'm also looking at guys like Dave Bing, 
you know, Dave Cowens, Hal Greer, Sam Jones. I mean, Sam Jones could probably play now. Jerry Lucas, like these guys would they they would be they could play in the NBA probably, but they're not going to be all time great players. Yeah, because they don't translate right. But there's some guys I think that if you put them in the modern era with the way that the game is played now, they'd have a chance to. I mean, Larry Bird to me. A healthy peak, like 1986 Larry Bird. I mean, if, if he had the emphasis on shooting threes like you do he now. He would shred the NBA. He would shred. Yes. Because of yes. the way, because of his killer instinct, but also his his, his skill set, too. Well, and and uh, Magic Johnson, the same. Magic Johnson can play basketball till 2050 or t- till t- 2500. I mean, it doesn't matter when you put the nope. 6'9 point guard who can pass like that. I mean, it's done. And, and then, but then you add in stuff like when you, the, the one of the biggest fallacies, and this is so perpetuated by particularly Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal on, on, Inside the NBA, after all these games, and they, these guys don't play defense. We played so much harder defense back then. It's not true. Yeah. It's zero percent true. In fact, they might have played more physical. They might have hammered you into when you went to the hoop more. But when you're watching these highlights of the 1993 Finals, there's no defensive concepts whatsoever. When Michael Jordan has a ball on the the wing, when, he, when he's isolated on the elbow, there's no help to be found. They're just letting Dan Marley. Just get eviscerated by Michael Jordan with no one ever helping him. Yeah. Now in the NBA, the best players in the NBA can beat anybody off the dribble 99 out of 100 times. You can't stay in front of the best players. It's yeah. not possible. Yeah. Not even the greatest defender ever could stay in front of Chris Paul. You, you cannot do it. But you have to have the defensive principles to step in and hinder guys. So then I, when I'm looking at guys, that's what would really made me think is you put Magic Johnson – when, when you're watching the Suns, they don't ever – when the Suns – 93 Suns in that finals, I keep going back to that, but they never run pick and rolls. They have Charles Barkley, and they don't run a pick and roll with Charles Barkley ever because so many people didn't. For so long, the Jazz were the only team that ever ran that. Yeah. Now everybody runs ball screens. Imagine Magic Johnson in the high pick and roll with an athletic center. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> uh, imagine Pete Maravich with some of the spacing that is yes. that happens now and the three-point shot too. And then the other day, Doug Gottlieb just killed me. He was tweeting about how Carl Malone is an antiquated player and that he couldn't play in today's NBA. And I just find that outrageous because I get some of the things he's he's saying he couldn't have played help side defense and, and whatever. You look at 1987 Carl Malone, he's one of the most supreme athletes that's ever walked to the face of the earth. I mean, the guy is 6'9", 280 with no body fat and running downhill at you. I mean, he's not as fast as LeBron, but it's not... He's not that much slower. I mean, he is a freak athlete. And yeah. I just, I think that now with no hand checking and stuff like that, I mean, Stockton and Malone in this NBA would be even more lethal. And guys like Magic Johnson, Pete, Pistol Pete, you put the priorities that are in today's game with those guys playing in it, I just think they could, they would just shred the league. It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Here's the one thing, though, that I'll, I'll, I'll say because we project guys who were playing in an older era to today, but you talked about guys playing today going back in time and playing, and LeBron's going to score 60 a game in you know 1975. Maybe. Here's the other thing, though. Game four of the whatever it was NBA Finals, the year after LeBron won it in Cleveland, and they're going again with Cleveland versus Golden State. And I believe it was 3-0 Golden State, right? They had won. the, They barely won game one, and then they barely won game three in Cleveland, and the thing was basically all but over. And I believe it was game four. It may have been game three. 
But LeBron James did what in the first quarter? I think 19 or 21 points yeah. in in the first quarter against the Warriors in the finals. Not against not against Charlotte in November, okay? Against the Warriors in the finals. You know, and then and then and then did what you would always do, which is run out of gas. Like he he, he you can't lost. you can't keep up that pace. All I'm saying is this. LeBron James in 2020 and in 1975, can do whatever he wants, whenever that's, he that's wants true. to. It does not it's, matter. It's true. It's and true. so it's just a matter of endurance and, and, and all of that. So that's the thing. I mean, would he average more points then than now? Certainly. But also, it's not as if he's being stopped. Like he's not. It's not like there's the defensive concepts and all of that, which are true. There's no answer for Kevin Durant. There's no answer for Steph Curry. There's no answer for LeBron James, no matter what. Just like there wouldn't be for Larry or for Magic or whoever, whenever. Not to get sidetracked, but what you just said is so interesting, too. The one thing that I find so frustrating as a guy who's always stood on the table for LeBron James and his greatness is that so many of these games that we're watching with in the last dance with Michael Jordan, you know, the 63-point game against Boston and, and some of these other games, mm-hmm. it's a footnote that they lost. We just remember the individual performance. Yeah. Whereas that game is one of the, the, the game you're talking about, the game one of the NBA Finals when that Cavs team was horrific. They were terrible. Worst team to ever play in the NBA Finals. In my well, that's opinion. going back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking the second to last time the Cavs and the Warriors played. Oh, you are finals. talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm saying that um, no one remembers that game because they say, oh, well, yeah, LeBron had 52 and 10 and 10 or whatever, but they lost. It's the it's the lead. The loss is the lead for LeBron. The loss is a footnote for Michael Jordan. I think it's very interesting that we, that we do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think that here's the thing for for Michael Jordan is that like first of all that the the, the forty was it forty five and then sixty three or forty forty nine and then sixty three mm-hmm. or whatever uh, against Boston. It was only him, which it was for LeBron James as well, but it was on the front. Like, he hadn't been to a finals yet. You know what I mean? This was like the discovery of how good this guy was before the team thing sort of came along. Sure. And it was against one of the great teams of all time. I mean, those mid-80s Celtics teams That's right. were among the greatest. I mean, the A6 Celtics team is, is in the argument for one of the greatest teams in NBA history. I don't think the loss in this instance that we're talking about it for LeBron James Maybe it maybe it is now. I'm not sure, but it certainly won't be when he retires. Yes. Like you will go back because you'll go. Well, of course he lost because he's the greatest player. But the next eight best players in the series were all on this other team. Yeah, you know, right, right. And so, so, and 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 yet, look at what he did just by himself. Decided, okay, today I'm just going to take it to the hole every single time. I'm just going to push the gas pedal all the way down until there's nothing left in the tank, and we'll see how much of a lead we have. Which was like 18 points. I mean, they were up huge. And then the, the team couldn't hold on. And I don't think anybody faults LeBron for that. They don't go, oh, well, why couldn't you hold the lead? They go, I can't believe you got a lead like that. True. It, it is true. All right. One one other point that yeah. I think is, is interesting, too, is that some guys are just 
they're just anomalies. When they're just born with certain gifts, mm-hmm. they're just phenomenal. But then other guys, there's such crazy circumstances that go into it. Like, have you watched that Dirk Nowitzki documentary on Netflix? I'll no. send you the name of it. It's really good. I didn't even know. But, there. I love Dirk, man. During the the when the post World War II era, when there was a, an arms race for almost everything, including in the Olympics. Yeah. Germany really wanted to be really good at basketball. So they sent their basically director of basketball for the country of, of course. to come to America to learn the game from Dr. James Naismith. That guy is the guy who taught Dirk Nowitzki how to play ba- basketball. Hmm. So Dirk Nowitzki basically learned secondhand from the creator of basketball mm-hmm. in Germany. What an anomaly, right? right? Hakeem Olajuwon. He doesn't play basketball until he's 18 years old. He plays soccer. <laughs> yeah. It's not a coincidence he's got the greatest footwork of all time. Of course he right. did. But wh- how, when is that ever going to happen again where you just have this 7-2 guy from Nigeria who just played soccer yeah, and then gets to play basketball and is the most beautiful big man we've ever seen? Yeah. So I think that sometimes there is some weird confluence of events that goes into it. But then also there's just guys like David Robinson that just, you know, you just you just got better genes than everybody else. Yeah, and the, the other thing, too, is like, you know, it's so frustrating, right, that Tony Romo and, and Steph Curry are like scratch golfers. And you're like, really? <laughs> like, you could go out there and just do. But then you go, well, yeah, of course you can. Like, it's not it's not just coincidence. Right. Like, af- athletics and hand-eye coordination and touch and feel, like, it all is in the package. And you've developed that package, but it's all there. Whereas, you know. Like, it would hurt them more if a brick fell on them. It doesn't hurt me that much. You know, I don't have the sense of feel that they've got. <laughs> Stu Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Hey, we got some trivia for you. We got some wings to give away to the Desperado. Give us a call right now, 361-3688. Again, new phone number in the new studio, 361-3688. Call right now. Culture's got some trivia questions. They are basketball NBA questions uh, related. I even know what the questions are. I don't know the answers necessarily. Maybe some of them I can help you out, but uh, they're gettable. These are good. This is a good set of questions from Coulter here. So 361-3688. The best wings in the city of Missoula. You're going to get some from the Desperado right after this. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. See what I did there? I tried to insert the do into the I do believe in competition. Though I understand what Gary's getting at. Shout out Gary Clark Jr. Sutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. And it's a Wednesday, so what do we like to do around here on Wednesdays? Well, give away the best wings in the city of Missoula over to the Desperado Sports Tavern. We do it via some trivia questions with you, our faithful friends. Appreciate you. We go now to the uh, phones that we welcome in 
Jay to the show. Jay, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing great myself. Thanks very much. Now, here's the deal, bud. Coulter's got three questions for you about uh, all-time NBA players, numbers, that kind of thing. Uh, if you get two of these things right, you're going to get yourself some wings to the Desperado. How, when was the last time you had Desperado wings? Have you had them before? Oh, yeah, I've had them plenty of times. I go in there and watch football almost every season. There you go. And so this is going to be perfect for you, especially now that we're starting to open things a little bit back up here. Uh, cautious optimism around town. The wings, uh, they haven't gone anywhere. They're still there for pickup and everything at the Desperado. We'll see if we can get you a set. If you get two of them, you got your wings. You get three, we'll give you a shirt. If you need any help, I'll be your lifeline, okay? <laughs> I might need a lifeline. <laughs> well, we'll see what we can do, Jay. Here we go. Tell me likey. Tell me what wingy. All right, Jay. Coulter, what do we got here? All right, I got number one. Kareem Abdul... De- Excuse me. Nice. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the NBA's all-time leading scorer in career points, total points. LeBron James recently moved into third. Who is second in NBA history in total career points? Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Boy, that is tough. I will give you one hint. It's not Michael Jordan. Oh, boy, that's a big hint. Uh That's a big hint. Really? With With all the things going around the world in the last dance, you did give me a big hint. Man, that's tough. It's hard to say. Uh, I almost want to say Clyde Drexler, but I know that's not true. Well, it Can never it never hurts to use a lifeline if you if you feel it's you know it's only you only got to get two, so you're halfway yeah, there. You're halfway you know? home. Okay. I'm going to say Elgin Baylor. Coulter, Elgin Baylor, final answer. Is it Elgin Baylor? It is not Elgin Baylor. It is Carl yeah. the Mailman Malone. Carl Malone. Wow. I believe that. Just get Wow. And by the way, it should be parentheses John Stockton. Like it should just <laughs> read Carl Malone, right? John Stockton right yep, there, you yep, know, yep. Uh, on the two of them. All right. Speaking of John Stockton, John Stockton is the NBA's all-time leader in assists. Steve Nash is third. This former uh, Phoenix Suns, Dallas Mavericks, and New Jersey Nets point guard is second. Name that player. Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd. Very good. Very good. Very good. All right. Here's, here, here is an amazing stat about assists. John Stockton not only has 5,000 more assists than Jason Kidd. Consider that. <laughs> John, wow, Stock- John Stockton would be fourth in NBA history if he only made assists to Carl Malone. Wow. wow. Think of that. <laughs> that's amazing. He hey, dived he, up Carl Malone 10,000 times. That's a great stat. It's, I, I, he I mean, out some good ones to Jeff Hornacek as well. No, no question. No question. All right, number three. Wilt Chamberlain okay. is the NBA's all-time leader in rebounds. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is third. Who is second in NBA history in rebounding? Oh, Wow. I'm going to use my lifeline, but can I? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, you, I'll use my lifeline. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What, okay. Do you have somebody well, in mind there, Jay? Obviously, Dennis Robin was a prolific rebounder. Yes, he was. Uh, and I'm also going to have to say, you know, if I had to take a guess, I'd say Shaquille O'Neal. 
Well, Shaquille's going to be in that conversation too. I also, and I don't, I don't know the answer to this. Okay, so I'll just start there. Like Bill Russell is going to be pretty high on this list, also. I mean, if you think about how long he played and what he was, I think Shaq well, Rodman and Bill Russell. I think I think they all got to be top ten for sure. If I was, here's what I'd say: my 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 best guess is Bill Russell. That's the one I'd say. I think Dennis Rodman is going to be in that conversation as well. Shaq certainly, although Shaq. Uh, I don't think it's Shaq, okay? I don't think it's Shaq. That's what I'll say. I would go with one of those two guys, but I'd say Bill Russell if I was you. I'm going to say Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Is you it Bill it? Russell? Yeah. Okay. Wings for you. Very good, Jay. Uh, excellently uh, done by you, my friend. We get you back over to the Desperado. Give your information to Tommy there in the back, and we'll get you set up with those wings. Okay, bud? Sounds good. Hey, you guys have a good one. Love the show. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Well done, Bill Russell. Where's where is Rodman on? He's got to be on the list somewhere, right? Um, let's see. He's, oh, he's scrolling. He's scrolling a long way. Yes, Rodman is twenty third in okay. NBA history in rebounding. I, I think this is a lot more about longevity than it is about like if you did like a rebounds per game type of deal or a per season thing. I think that he would be in that. Yeah, I, again, back to mix, but back to our last. When you segment, talk about totals, it's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, back to our last segment about just some of the narratives that have lingered, and I said this on the show yesterday too. Mm-hmm. There's this thought that Wilt Chamberlain only had ridiculous numbers because he was playing against a bunch of six foot two dads, and it's just not. It's the, I the thing about it is though, I don't care who you're playing against. Wilt Chamberlain averaged 24 rebounds a game for his career. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Wilt Chamberlain has 6,000 more rebounds than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Think of that. <laughs> I mean, I don't care whose dad you're playing against. Right. If you get 50 rebounds in a game, you are balling. Yeah, like, that is yeah. just, it's so crazy. Some yeah. of his statistical seasons are, they're just, they're impossible to believe. Yeah. Uh, it's Two Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, hour number one in the books, hour two straight ahead. Cole Anderson, former Montana Grizzly, uh, former NFL. Uh, player and current NFL coach and assistant special teams coach uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals going to join us. It's our ESPN roundtable. What's up right after this? Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now. If you visit msubookstore.org, free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 